Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship on this Sunday. Just a, I'm going to make a couple very quick announcements and then I'm going to invite someone up to share a, a short presentation with us uh, before we move on with our worship this morning. Of course, this is all worship, all that we do together. I just, a simple announcement that I'm going to make is that worship committee is, making, is meeting on January 23rd, as well as the council at 6 o'clock for worship and 7 o'clock for the council. Are there any other announcements to share? That's, it's the start of a new year, we're starting to refill the calendar, but there's not much on it yet. Nope, okay, in that case, uh, Anthony, if you want to switch that cable over, I'm going to invite Terry Dwyer up from Souls Harbor Rescue Mission to tell us about what they've got going on in Sydney Mines. There we go. Go the back one. There we go. Flawless technical support. And we had a backup jump drive just in case. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thanks for um, giving us the opportunity to talk for a few minutes this morning. I'm with Souls Harbor Rescue Mission. I'm on their board of directors. My wife and I have been volunteering with them coming up on 10 years now. And uh, we just purchased a building across the street. You might have seen it in the Cape Breton Post yesterday. They did a write-up on us and we're hoping to be open in a few weeks, God willing. Um, and I just wanted to do a brief introduction, tell you a little bit about us and what we're doing for fundraising and what services we're offering. And my wife and I will be here after the service if anybody wants to uh, chat with us or talk to us about any of the projects we're working on. So Souls Harbor Rescue Mission was established 12 years ago by Pastor Ken and Pastor Michelle Porter. They moved here from Western Canada, felt a calling, came to Halifax, um, bought an older building, started a soup kitchen. The first day they opened, they were serving eight meals a day. Today, they're serving over 400 meals a day in five different locations. Um, at the core of our beliefs and our service is hope. We are all about hope. And we serve our guests meals, hot meals. We sit with them and talk with them. We have a relationship with them. And we provide a 15-minute message from the gospel during every meal at all of our locations across Nova Scotia. We rescue people from poverty addiction and despair, we offer emergency help services. We have a, a division or a small portion of our soup kitchens that are called free marts. And free marts are where we distribute toiletries, clothing that's donated, jackets, mitts, boots, that we distribute that during our mealtime. We're open from about 12 o'clock noon. Most of the facilities are open at 12 noon and they close at three, Monday to Friday. That provides the meals, access to internet, bathrooms, our free mart, supplies 
in all of our locations. We have locations in Bridgewater, Truro, Halifax, Lower Sackville, and on the Eastern Shore. This will be our fifth soup kitchen location in Nova Scotia and the first for Cape Breton Island. And as far as Cape Breton goes, we have a vision to, to see three to four missions here in CBRM. We have a, a, a vision to see one here in Sydney Mines, possibly North Sydney, for sure Sydney and Glace Bay in the next three to five years. That's part of our goal and part of our plan. So most people don't get to experience that verse in the Bible where you give everything you have, you take everything you have, you sell it, you give it to the poor. Uh, Pastor Ken and Michelle did this and in 2000 they founded Souls Harbor Rescue Mission headquartered in Regina originally and at the time it became the largest service provider for homeless people averaging 100,000 meals every year and housing 90 people in the facility every night. Just, just to put that in perspective. We're projected here at Sydney Mines, we're projected to have 100 people a day. Uh, right now, that's what it's projected at once we open our doors. And that's just feeding them. They felt a calling to come to Halifax, sold everything they had, got in their car and drove 4,000 kilometers to Halifax purchased an old building and started a soup kitchen 12 years ago. Our mission in Halifax seats 200 people, or it seats, you know, feeds 200 people. It seats 60 people, 60 to 70 people at a time, and we rotate them through, but we're averaging 200 meals a day right now. And during peak spikes, um, even COVID and harsh weather, that can go up to 400 meals in one day. That's in downtown Halifax. Bridgewater is doing somewhere between 70 and 80 meals a day. Truro is somewhere in 70 to 80 meals a day. Lower Sackville is in the same, in the same uh, realm. We do holiday dinners uh, as well. And it's open to families, it's open to homeless people, it's open to anybody that wants to come. Uh, and it's not a cafeteria. I, I don't want to portray it as a cafeteria style. We serve the guests. They come in and sit at the tables. We bring them the food. We serve them is how it works. Uh, and then there's 15 minutes of that time where we also present a gospel message of hope and encouragement. That happens every day at all of our facilities. Our Christmas and annual Christmas, we missed it this year, but we'll be on track next year. Uh, so they started out with eight meals. Now they're doing 400 meals in 12 years. Um, we also have over 400 volunteers across Nova Scotia on the mainland uh, that are helping us run these facilities. There's generally a manager for the facility to run it and manage it, and there's a full-time cook. Everything else is volunteer-based. All the servers, all the prep, everything that you don't see that goes on behind the scenes, that's all done by volunteers. And we were amazed and blessed at what happened here in Sydney Mines when uh, we got the word got out. We had in the matter of days uh, up to 40 applicants here in Sydney Mines for volunteers and they're still coming in and it is greatly appreciated because we're going to need it. We're, we're going to definitely need it. Our Halifax facility is unique amongst all facilities as it has a uh, nine bed men's recovery program. That's a live-in program in the upstairs portion of the church that we purchased 12 years ago and that whole upstairs level was converted to a nine bed recovery men's shelter and that's a nine-month program six-month program nine beds six months my apologies where they live in as residents for six months they live in the church they work in the church they work in our free marts 
or facilities and help them transition back to a normal life. We don't have that in any other facilities except Halifax. We also have a women's shelter on the Eastern Shore, which was a building originally donated to us um, that was converted to a shelter and eventually apartments for women and children that are in need. That's up near Muscadabit on the Eastern Shore. And we run that facility as well. We had purchased here in Sydney a year ago um, a lot on Ferry Street, three lots actually, with an old brick building on it with the intent to get an operation going there. Turned out the brick building needed more than we could do with it and the decision was made to bulldoze it. So we applied for rapid housing initiative funding for low rental income properties and housing. Uh, we were not successful last year, but we're applying again this year to do that. We have three big lots on Ferry Street and the plan was to put in um, 15 or 12 unit apartments for low rentals and our soup kitchen facility on the lower floor. So those applications will go in in March and the decisions will get made in May as to whether or not we're going to be successful for the Ferry Street location. Here in Sydney Mines, we also own that parking lot. That building is 4,000 square feet on the upper level, 4,000 square feet on the bottom level, and the parking lot's probably as big. So they may or may not apply for a rapid housing as well for Sydney Mines. That'll all be discussed in the new year. We're only using a small portion of the building right now for the soup kitchen, but there's tremendous potential to do a lot of things with that building. It's, it's been suggested as possibly as a warming station. Um, other ideas have been brought forward by community entities, so you just stay tuned. Um, we are 100% donor run. We receive no government funding. This year, they, we were offered some government funding for employees to work at our women's shelter, but as a, as a whole across the board, we don't get any government funding to run our operations. We have donors from Newfoundland to Vancouver, and we have regular monthly donors, and that has funded the operation, all the facilities, right up until a few years ago when we opened our own thrift store. So we have our own version of Value Village in Halifax. It's called Mission Mart. It's in Bears Lake Industrial Park if you ever get to Halifax, and it's a it's a big building, 17,000 square feet, and it's like walking into a value village, only uh, Mission Mart, 100% of all the money we raise and make gets distributed amongst all the facilities. So people bring clothes, furniture, electronics, just like you would at, best, or at uh, Value Village, only we have our own now. Maybe someday we'll have one here in Cape Breton, but for now there's one in Sydney, and it's staffed by 90% volunteers. So it's open six days a week, and it's staffed by volunteers, which is pretty cool. There's our building. The signage went up a couple days ago. We missed the Cape Breton Post right up, but they're up now. And we're having, uh, hopefully, discussions and meetings this week with, our, uh, with the building inspector to get our occupancy permits to get running. We have all the ingredients. We have the tables, the chairs. We have everything we need to open the doors over there. The, the holdup now is going through the hoops to get the inspections. So hopefully that'll happen fairly quickly. And our goal is to be open by the end of January. That, that might sound ambitious, but we hired a full-time manager and we hired a full-time cook. So we have a lot of pieces to the puzzle and there's been tremendous support from the community for volunteers as well. 
So the last thing I want to talk about real briefly is our, one of our fundraising uh, events. We did this last year. It's called Coldest Night of the Year. Uh, and this is a national fundraiser that is Canada-wide. We have the only one here in Cape Breton. And it's basically a walk on a cold night to simulate what it's like to be homeless or living on the streets. And we put together teams and we try to raise funds uh, through donations, through teams, through corporate sponsors. And then we have a walk February 24th, which is a Saturday. We're running this one in downtown Sydney this year. Um, it's going to start at the Ashby Legion. They've offered the use of the building and they've offered to provide a meal to all the people that show up and we needed a, a baseline to start. We did it for the first time last year. Um, our goal was $20,000 and we raised forty, which was incredible. Um, we had projected 50 some odd people. We had almost 200 people show up. The other thing about having more walkers and having 200 people is that it shines a light on what's going on here in CBRM with homelessness, addiction, housing, um, and it gives a lot of the entities, you know, we have community cares up the road here, ourselves, the food banks, it gives them an opportunity to get the message out to create a lot more awareness in CBRM about what's going on. It, it might be hard to believe, but there's still a lot of people that are not 100% aware of what's happening here and what kind of crisis situations are going on in CBRM. So it does shine a light on it. The more people that show up, the more people are going to create more awareness and more of the message is going to get out. So our goal this year is $40,000. Um, we're projected at 200 participants. It would be wonderful though if we had 350. Can, can you imagine three or 400 people walking down Prince Street all together? Now that's, that's a sign that'll hit the press everywhere and really get the word out there that there's a lot of entities out here that need help. A lot of communities need help. So I'm here to invite everybody here to join us in this event. You're gonna, if you want to attend in person, you're gonna see, you're gonna see some great live music. A lot of the different churches and, and worship teams come and perform for the evening. There's gonna be lots of people from various communities and entities and churches have joined with us last year and will join with us this year. It's gonna be an opportunity to meet some new people, connect with them, bring a sense of humor because the people in seeing the event have a great sense of humor. That doesn't hurt, it is Cape Breton. It's going to be a good sense of accomplishment and contributing to what's going on. Um, the Legion provided a meal last year of uh, soup and chili and rolls and desserts at no charge to all the people who showed up, which was phenomenal. We thought that was great. So I'm here to invite you to come and join us. If you can't make it, you can't get around, I, the first thing I would ask for you to do is to pray. The single one takeaway I'd like you to have for today is to pray for what's going on here in Cape Breton, what's going on in Sydney Mines, what's going on in New Waterford and Blaise Bay in Sydney, and the entities, the service providers that are out there on the front lines trying to deal with this and help in any way, shape they can. And there's a lot needed. If you are so inclined, you can put together a team of walkers. Come and join us for a walk. It's a 2K walk. Uh, an optional 2K walk or a 5K walk on Prince Street. Starts around 5 o'clock in the evening. It's over by about 7. You walk, you come back to the Legion, get a bowl of soup, hang out and see what's going on with raffles and prizes. You can fundraise 
everybody can contribute in the way they feel they can work with. You can make donations, you can contribute financially, you can contribute by bringing clothing you're not using, make a donation for food, anything you can do would be greatly appreciated and dispersed amongst all of our guests. You can volunteer, we need volunteers to work the booth in at the, at the Legion to help us with administrative. We need volunteers to work the rest stations. We need volunteers to help us organize the event. And we're working with commercial sponsors as well. We're meeting with a lot of the businesses. Um, CNOY.org. We'll be around afterwards to talk about it or if you'd like to have any questions. Thank you. We greatly appreciate the opportunity to be here and my wife and I will be here after the service. Oh, I almost forgot. Children under the age of 18 that put together walking teams and raised $75 or more get a cool toque. The adults got to go 150 <laughs> to get a cool toque. And there's all kinds of cool events and things happening. The other thing, one last thing, all the money we raise in our chapter, in our location, stays here. The same happens to Halifax. Halifax is doing the same event. Um, all the money they raise in Halifax stays in Halifax. So what we're doing is going to stay here in Sydney Mines. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. It's very exciting. We've been talking about Soul Harbor a bit here on occasion at Carmen. Just the excitement starting to build about this organization coming to feed people here in City Mines. Um, I've mentioned in the newsletter and here in the church that they're also looking for volunteers with the soup kitchen. And so I know some of you have applied online, I think, to do that. And so thank you. If anyone else is interested in volunteering, I'm sure Susie and, and uh, Terry will talk to you about that as well. Uh, also related to that, it just reminded me, um, Journey Church, which meets at the old St. Joseph School at Monroe Academy, they're organizing a 24-7 prayer coming up in a few weeks. I'll try to get some more information about that out in our newsletter if you're interested in being a part of a, a focused prayer movement on the work that they are trying to do here at City Mines. If there's nothing else to share this morning, that's quite a bit. And thanks again to Terry and Susie for coming today. Let's just take a moment to quiet our hearts as we prepare to enter into worship of our God. We light our Christ candle this morning and welcome Jesus Christ, the light of the world, among us as we worship him this day. Let's join together in a responsive psalm, Psalm 29.
Ascribe to God, you powers of the heaven. Ascribe to God all glory and strength. God's voice is over the waters, God's glory thundering across the great waters. God's voice shatters the cedars, splinters the cedars of Lebanon. God's voice forks into tongues of fire. God's voice shakes the wilderness, sets trembling the wilderness of Kadesh. God sits enthroned above the waters. You give strength to your people, O God. Now give to your people the blessings of peace. Glory, glory, glory to our God. Let us join together in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, as we gather on this morning, after the wise men have visited, after the story of Christmas has ended, we come today with hearts to be filled by your Spirit. May you bless our worship this day as we look with fresh eyes to a new year. Be with us, O God, we pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our opening hymn this morning is When Jesus Comes to be Baptized.
And for the young people who are here, I believe Grace has got some coloring. She, she's going to bring up to the front over here. So if the girls, any young people would like to come up, they can... Today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, <coughs> verses 4 to 11. So John the Baptist showed up in the desert and told everyone, Turn back to God and be baptized, then your sins will be forgiven. From all Judea and Jerusalem, crowds of people went to John. They told how sorry they were for their sins, and he baptized them in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made of camel's hair. He had a leather strap around his waist and ate grasshoppers and wild honey. John also told the people, someone more powerful is going to come, and I am not good enough even to stoop down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As soon as Jesus came out of the water, he saw the sky open and the Holy Spirit coming down to him like a dove. A voice from heaven said, You are my own dear Son, and I am pleased with you. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, as we come and remember the power of your baptism, the, the, the Spirit descending as a dove on Jesus, Lord, be with us as we hear your word this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Yesterday was, was Epiphany, Old Christmas, and the day we recognize as the wise men coming to visit Jesus two years after his birth. And today is the recognition of the baptism of Jesus, and that is our focus for our service this day. Anytime someone makes a public declaration of faith, it is a very special moment. I remember when a friend of mine got baptized as an adult, and at the end of the service, he was practically glowing. I think of baptisms I've performed for, for faithful families. I think of confirmations. I think of retreats that have led both here at Carmen and through other events like Curcio, where people renew their faith in God in a powerful way. These are wonderful stories of, of God being present in someone's life. When someone discovers or even rediscovers the power and love of God and commits their life to them, it is an incredibly powerful moment, a moment that changes your life. 
and to make a declaration of your faith in response to this, whether it be through baptism or whatever way is appropriate, and to do it among God's people in the church, it is a feeling that you will never forget. Coming through Christmas, we saw Mary make such a commitment when she accepted the news that she would be the mother of God's Son, the Messiah. While we have it publicly recorded in the Gospel of Luke, in reality it was more of a private acceptance because the news she received would be quite scandalous. A young virgin mother, unmarried, having a child. This would not be looked upon favorably by society. No matter what story she would tell about how it came to be, no one would believe her. So then today we skip ahead a few, few decades to our reading from Mark. And in this reading we see the first public dedication to God report, recorded in the Gospels. In many ways, the public affirmation of faith that we make today in confession or baptism we can trace it back to the work of John the Baptist. And as we see in the Gospel of Mark, he just gets to the point. There's a reason why Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels. The story we read today about John took seven verses. In the Gospel of Luke, it's 22 verses. In the Gospel of Matthew, it's 17 verses. Mark, he doesn't bother so much with all that extra detail. He just wants to get to the facts and let you know what's happening. And he does it quickly. Yet even still, we see something, we learn something about John the Baptist and Mark. We see about his importance. Because Mark chapter 1, verse 1, launches right into John the Baptist. As a key figure to what comes next. And we see... Even in that short passage, we know that John is a bit of a unique character. He dresses in odd clothing. He eats strange things. And we know that he is preaching about and baptizing about what is to come. And people are coming to him from all over the countryside to hear him and be baptized by him. Then Jesus comes. You know, the Gospel of Matthew records a bit of a debate between Jesus and John as to whether John has the authority to baptize Jesus. But in the Gospels of Mark and Luke, it just happens. John baptizes Jesus, and the Holy Spirit descends on him, and we hear those words recorded in all three of the Gospels. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now even though this is Jesus, and even though Jesus knows God because he came from God, and even though he knows God because he's been with God the whole time, this is still a significant moment in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Notice how we don't hear anything about Jesus growing up. Other than when he was about 12, he got lost, ended up in the temple, and Mary and Joseph had to go find him. That's all we hear about Jesus growing up after the wise men visit him at about the age of two. We don't read about him 
using his special powers to prank his friends or anything like that. We don't hear him about performing random miracles, just playing with his friends. We don't hear anything about this. Other than that one day he's in the temple. When he's about 12. And everyone who talks to him just is amazed at how brilliant this kid is. There's no mention of the formative years of Jesus. But then all of a sudden at the age of 30 he shows up. He comes to John, who's about this, who is the same age. And he, he expects to be baptized. John is baptizing folks to cleanse them of their sin. To prepare them for the one who is coming. The one he mentions when he says, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. This is what John is, te John is teaching. And then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus is standing there right in front of him. Now, I'm not as bold as John, or I'm not as odd as him, according to some people. But as a pastor and a preacher in God's church, I have an affinity for what he does. I know those holy moments where you're just part of something far greater than myself, whether it be baptism, or at the bedside of someone who is sick and dying, or even at a funeral, or other times when people open up to me. I've had some very powerful moments where I know God is doing something very special that I never expected to happen, nor could I have ever conjured up on my own. And I know that John, with Jesus, is in one of those moments right now. A moment that will not only affect him and Jesus, but it is a moment that literally changes the world. Now, the Bible says that John is baptizing people to cleanse them of their sin. To get ready for the one who is coming after John. But this is Jesus we're talking about who's coming for baptism. This is the one John has been telling people about. And I ask, does Jesus need to be baptized to be cleansed of his sin? Absolutely not. So why then does he need to be baptized? In our modern baptismal activities, rites, passages, baptism is a promise. When we baptize babies, we promise to raise them up in a household of faith so that one day they may know God. But baptism is more than that. It is also a covenant. It is a contract with God. We are inviting God through our baptism to be part of our lives intimately. Whether that's for a baby or someone who gets baptized later on in life. We are inviting God to be part of our life. Jesus has no sin to be cleansed of. So there's that other part. The contract, the covenant with God. Jesus in his baptism is showing us the importance of dedicating our lives to the service of God. So this is what is happening in his baptism. Jesus is marking publicly his dependence on and his obedience of God. So by receiving the Holy Spirit as part of this baptism, the work of God is beginning in this world and through Jesus. 
For 30 years, Jesus has been experiencing life. You might want to call it research. He's experiencing the life of God's children. And now the research period is over and is ready to do the work that he has been sent here to do. The birth of Jesus was special, no question about it. But for 30 years, nothing really happened. It just seems quick for us because we just celebrated his birth two weeks ago. But for 30 years, people just kept waiting for the Messiah to come. Maybe now we're starting to see why his birth was so secretive, so quiet. Born to a virgin in a small town, married to a carpenter, shepherds for visitors. These, these are not the most popular people in town. It just seems so quiet and secretive. Had Jesus been born to a king in a palace, then his first 30 years would have been quite different, probably. He would have experienced life in a different way as part of a privileged class of people. I think of the celebrity children in the world right now who are struggling with the fame and the fortune that comes with being born of someone uh, important, so to speak. And how these people tend to find themselves falling into lives of sin and struggle and all the turbulence of life that comes with that. Now, sure, it might have been different for Jesus in that way, but in the same way, being born to kind of the peasants, the nobodies, this has allowed him to kind of stay in the shadows and experience life to its fullest. What was life really like for the people that he came for most of all? He knows what it is like in their lives now. He has experienced it all. He has experienced their pain, their struggling, but also their joy and their love. And now, after all 30 years of gathering this information and living it out, he is ready to come and embrace the mission he was sent to fulfill. That is to be the savior of the world. And to bring people back into relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. All of his life to this point has prepared him to make this public statement of faith, of devotion, of obedience to God. And it has shaped how he will fulfill his ministry as he knows intimately now what people experience in life. Now he is ready to fulfill the call of God and to serve humbly those who came to help. I ask, how has your life shaped your relationship with God? How can you... How can God use your experience to help others? We learned this morning from Terry about Souls Harbor and how it has helped so many people across our province. And now they want to come to Sydney Mines and help people here. They have extensive experience in this now, and they do it really well. They are an example of how God has taken someone, a couple in this case, and given them an idea of how to serve others in his name. And I know their organization has saved lives over the years that they've been serving. And now they'll have the opportunity to come to Sydney Mines to not only feed people, to give them uh, company and companionship, 
but no doubt they will save lives here too. Ken and Michelle Porter, the founders of Souls Harbor, responded to a call from God to serve people in Atlanta, Canada, and they drove literally across the country to do it after starting the same work out west in Saskatchewan. How has God shaped your life, your experience, to make a difference in someone else's life? It doesn't have to be as big as starting a charity that feeds thousands of people every year. Maybe it's something as simple as helping your neighbor in a time of need. Maybe it's mentoring a young person. Maybe it's something else. Who knows? God can use you to help others in many different ways. God can use your experience to make a difference in someone else's life. If, if we dedicate ourselves to being obedient to God's quiet call and his presence in our lives. Just a couple of days after Christmas, we invited international students to come to our church and we fed them a good meal. We may have only served about 20 people, I think, that night. But for those 20 people, I know it was greatly appreciated. I drove to Sydney and picked up four students from the residence at CBU and, and, and brought them over. And as we were driving over, I asked them, I was like, do you get off campus very often? And they're like, no, not at all. We never leave campus. They really appreciated the invitation to get off campus and come have a good meal with the community, with, to, to meet new people, to interact with people. There, when I, we drove back later that night, there were a lot of questions. I would say it was worth all the work that Grace and her team put together to make this happen. And to think every bit of food we offered was donated. That meal cost us nothing financially. Will we do it again? I don't know, maybe. Maybe it'll be something different next time. Who knows? It all depends on how we respond to God's quiet invitation to serve the people who need something in their lives. This year it's for international students who are far from home. Next year it could be something completely different. God can do amazing things if we simply offer ourselves to his service. Who would have thought, now who would have thought that Carmen would have a sit-down meal for people from Nigeria, India, and Korea, to name just a few of the places that were represented that night? Who would have thought? Now we see Souls Harbor buy a building in town, ready to serve meals to people in need. Who would have ever thought? God did. God knew this could happen. God knew that if people simply listened to him and looked around to see the needs of the people around us, God knew these things could and would happen. The life of Jesus shows us just how great things can be for those who devote themselves to God and be obedient to his call. Now the question really is, will we join him? Will we join him on this incredible journey and change the lives of those around us? Let us be so brave, so bold, so obedient 
that God will bless us and will bless those around us. And it's all through simple acts of service. As we follow in the footsteps of Jesus the Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Just simply following his example of sharing God's love, God's hope, and God's peace with others. Amen. Let us sing together, O love, how deep.
as we continue to commit ourselves to the work of God here in Sydney Mines and around the world. We offer to God now the gifts of our heart and the work of our hands. Our offering will now be received. As we give ourselves and our gifts to you, bless the work we do in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, we come today ever thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ in our lives for the Holy Spirit that guides us and shows us how we can best serve you and the people that are around us. Lord, we thank you that we can gather here in this place and offer our service and our prayers to you. And so today we come and we pray for those in need in our town. We pray for whatever was happening on Main Street this morning with police and guns drawn, O oh God. Whatever that situation is, O oh God, we pray for a peaceful solution. We pray for those 
who are at the other end of those guns. And for the people that live around those apartments. Lord, may our town be safe for all of us. Lord, we pray for Souls Harbor as they continue through the process of getting permits for their building. And Lord, we pray for an understanding. We pray for a compromise between all parties so that your work through them may be started soon in our town. We pray for the work that they will do as they go forward. Lord, we pray for those who mourn the loss of loved ones today. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are hurting, those who are cold in this weather, for those who are hungry. We pray for those living in places of war and violence. And we pray for peace to come to Israel, to Gaza, to Palestine, to Ukraine, and to many, many other places that are seeing conflict these days. Lord, we pray your peace be upon all, and that your peace be in our hearts. And we offer these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This being the start of a new year, we seek to recommit ourselves to God. And as we read of his ba the, the, the baptism of our Savior this morning, we too want to offer our dedication, our obedience to God in our lives. So in the tradition of our church and our founding churches, let us pray together the Wesley Covenant prayer this morning. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put to me what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I am mine. you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. As we sing our next hymn, just as I am, I invite you, if you wish, to come forward to our baptismal font and renew your baptismal covenant. You may do so however you wish. You could just dip your fingers into the water. You could dip them maybe a few drops on your forehead, whatever you feel comfortable with. I was once doing this at a conference and I was holding this giant basin of water. And a guy came up to me, and he stood there and he dipped his hands in the water. And then he scooped up as much water as he could, it dripping out of his fingers, he came to me and rubbed it through my head. 
I'm kind of shocked. Then he takes the basin from me and says, okay, you do me. No, I'm not going to do that for you today unless you really want me to. But yes, please come forward and if you wish to renew your covenant vow as we sing together, just as I am. Let's sing together a closing hymn, God me O the great Jehovah.
us let the Lord guide us and lead us in all that we do as we go forth from this place, sharing God's love with friend and neighbor alike. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.